Well, Liv, I think part of the reason we've come to see you today is because you recently honed a dog to our boss, Ben Keith, and he is absolutely in love with Goldie. How on earth do you match a greyhound to a man like that? Well, I think at the time, actually, I remember getting a message from Kim saying uh, that Ben had recently lost his, his pet whippet and was looking for a, maybe a small female greyhound. Um, and at the time, we actually didn't have any what I deemed small female greyhounds at the time um but I said actually Ben you know tell me a, remind me a bit about sort of you know where you live and your your setup there just so that I can make sure that it's you know a suitable dog that I'm going to suggest to you and um so Ben told me a bit about what he was looking for and we had Goldie who we'd recently had at um, an event with us at Walthamstow Market so quite busy lots going on um in London lots of traffic lots of people hustle and bustle and she dealt with the whole occasion really well and she'd shown a particular fondness to a number of children that had come along including one toddler who did not want to leave and made multiple visits back to the stand um and I had actually said to her parents do you mind if I get a picture because actually this is great publicity I'm not going to put this plaster this everywhere but if the right home comes along I think it would be great for me to be able to show this interaction and they were fine with it um so I luckily had the these these pictures too so I said Ben she might not be the smallest of bitches um but I think she'll be a perfect match so I sent Ben a couple of pictures and I guess we did things slightly differently with Ben sometimes I invite people to the kennels to come and meet the dogs um I got the impression that Ben was ready to open his heart and home to a dog quite quickly and was quite happy to to go with what suggestions you know we had and I said I can't really see much you know beyond Goldie sent him a few pictures and then within about 48 hours I was heading to his 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 home to do a home visit Goldie in tow just to make sure that you know everyone got on and liked each other and of course it was always going to be fine and she stayed and um is getting on really well and I was really delighted to see her um, attending the derby recently too. And so, so calm as well, she was so <laughs> well behaved, the whole family completely in love with her so that was uh, a very successful homing. Uh, I want to say as well that he also lives in a, a very large but a flat and that is doable, these dogs are very adaptable aren't they? Oh definitely, we always say that they are probably the most adaptable breed, in fact you know sometimes we get inquiries and people say you know we live in a flat is that a problem and I say well actually I've got a garden that I've got free access to with my dogs and it's a lot easier. If I lived in a flat, it would be a lot more commitment. So I think those that actually reach out to us, first of all, to offer a home to a, a dog when they are in a flat, maybe without direct access to a garden, straight away, I think, well, they're obviously very committed. Um, secondly, the dogs don't need a, you know, a massive space to live in. Of course, they need somewhere that's comfortable and enough space for them to be able to you know, live comfortably. Um, and obviously, Ben's got plenty of space. Um, but as we said, you know, traditionally, a lot of rehoming centres and rehoming places would look to home dogs especially greyhounds because of pre, you know misconceptions rather into homes with gardens um but actually they're quite happy you know a couple of on lead walks a day is you know all that they need and they're quite comfortable with that in fact you know i've got a garden with mine and do they utilize the garden no do they prefer their walks yes they're way more interesting lots more to sniff lots more going on so yeah it's not an, you know not a problem at all for us in fact um, at our Lincolnshire site, um, Kevin, I believe, has rehomed some greyhounds that live on a houseboat and they're very happy and well-loved. So we always say it's not about the actual layout of the home, it's about the people. Are they going to love this dog for the rest of their lives and give them a good home? And if they are, then that's the main thing for us. 
tell us more about Lincolnshire Greyhound Trust because this is who you are homing dogs on behalf of but we're in your area today <laughs> Epping Way um, how does it work why, why are you in Epping but working for Lincolnshire Greyhound Trust um, so okay I'm just going to do a brief brief uh, overview as best I can not great at keeping things concise um, so Kevin Stowe and Mandy Stowe set up Lincolnshire Greyhound Trust I'd like to say in 1994 or 2004? I think it's probably 2004, but correct me if I'm wrong, Kevin. Um, and have been homing greyhounds for a very long time. Um, they It all started, they had um, shares in a, a race bitch called Sky, Lone Dynamite. And when she retired from racing, Kevin and Mandy decided to take her home. And through taking Sky home and working with local RGTs, I believe, um, Lincolnshire Greyhound Trust was born independent of the retired greyhound trust at the time and still remains independent now um so that's sort of how it started now what i really like and what we like as a family i guess about lincolnshire greyhound trust which is how i got to know kevin is lincolnshire greyhound trust always home check they are they work with the racing industry as well because essentially lincolnshire greyhound trust was born via the racing industry um and they provide a backup for life for the dogs. So every dog that is rehomed by Lincolnshire Greyhound Trust will have backup for the rest of its life. And that's really important to us. And so my dad owned a number of race dogs over the years and we specifically seeked out Lincolnshire Greyhound Trust being independent and, you know, very restricted in their views and very careful with, you know, what's said and what's not said. The dogs are never viewed as you know a sad case it's always actually on the merit for that individual dog and that's important to us but also that they do home visit and that they do provide a backup for life was really important to us so we homed a lot of dogs through kevin and we had quite a lot of dogs at the time and kevin said one day oh why don't you look to start helping us do some home visits we might be able to home some dogs sort of under the guidance of lgt but local to you and at first i dismissed the idea i said nope no home will be good enough we will have a kennel full of dogs because i will not trust anybody um but i you know caved in and started to take on board what kevin had suggested and we homed honey a homebred actually of our own um canine candy i can't remember the date now a number of years ago and she was the first dog we homed and it grew from there really i think we did maybe five or six in one autumn for the first year we started and it's it's grown ever since so when you say your family essentially it's you and your sister beth who mm -hmm. uh people in the racing industry will be very familiar with how do you do it what are your roles i mean you you both work full time monday to friday your weekend's <laughs> taken up with this yes so we do both work full time um so it is it's a labor of love and it takes up a lot of time it takes up quite a bit of our weekend time um we fit it in somehow i don't know how we both work quite full on full-on jobs as well we've got you know pet dogs at home Beth's got a pony and you know managed to somehow maintain some form of social life too including holidays um so it's just about um I guess utilizing our time as best we can um we do it in you know at weekends um evenings and you know the summer gives us a lot more time the, the lighter evenings gives us a lot more capacity to get the dogs out and about more in the summer too um I don't know how we fit it in. I couldn't actually tell you when I sit back and think about it. I do wonder, but we somehow do and it works. So we're just going to keep going. I don't know what the recipe to it is, but it's working at the moment. Absolutely. And it must be incredibly rewarding. How is homing at the moment and how is it impacted by COVID? What's the sort of wave and trend been over the last couple of years? 
I'd say it has been slow up till recently. We've had a little flurry recently, which has been great. Um, COVID was a strange time. We didn't know how it would impact homing. And of course, suddenly there was an influx. Loads of people were suddenly working from home. People that maybe put on the back burner getting a dog until circumstances with work changed were reaching out to us. People that were maybe waiting until they'd been on this big holiday they had planned were then not able to go on that holiday. So were then contacting us. So COVID saw, I'd say a, a big spike in the number of dogs homed. Um, since restrictions have been lifted, Thankfully, we haven't had, you know, a massive number of dogs returned because of people returning to work. But what we have noticed is a little bit of a dip, certainly toward the beginning of this year, where people were able to do things and had a lot more plans. So we're almost pausing and putting off getting new family members until maybe the autumn, because actually they could go on holiday again. They could go out and about. So I'd say we had a, a flurry and a spike during COVID. But I think it's just levelling out again. I wouldn't say that the situation is particularly terrible now and it's started to pick up a little bit. Um, I've read a lot and seen a lot of people that feel numbers are down. I am slightly apprehensive about the current economic you know, situation that we're in at the moment. Everything's going up and of course extra expenses such as having a pet will be one of the first things that people potentially have to really reconsider. Um, I'd say Covid yeah, gave us a spike. Um, flattened out a little bit but I'd say overall it's been fairly consistent if you then look at it over a period of time and the figures are good I know you've got them there in front of you mm. you know I had the, to write them the, down <laughs> the uh, trust does amazing work yeah so since LGT started I can't remember the exact date and I should know it um we've homed a number of well 2302 greyhounds that's not myself and Beth here based at Epping um that is Kevin and the team um at Lincolnshire Bob Oaks who runs a small satellite kennel similar to ours in Oxford and of course Epping um so that's a, a you know a lot of dogs that have been placed into homes across um the time that Lincolnshire Greyhound Trust has been in existence um 2020 was our best ever year we homed a number record number of dogs 200 and 58 of those were homed um, from Epping. Uh, 2021, we homed 171 dogs um, across the charity and 35 here from Epping. Um, 2022 has been a slower year, so 87 across the whole of the charity um, and 32 here from Epping. So our numbers in Epping haven't, well, looked to be on, on course, I guess, for exceeding last year's, um, but overall... I'd say numbers across the country are probably down. I think the reason that maybe some of our, our numbers this year have been a little bit higher is we've had a lot of people that have got established pets and are actually coming back to us to say it's time to introduce a friend. So I think maybe our, our figures are somewhat skewed because they're existing homes as opposed to new homes. Well, Liv Noble, along with her sister, is uh, one of the homers of the Epping branch of Lincolnshire Greyhound Trust. And uh, it's been so nice to catch up with you today. Um, what I wanted to ask you is, what makes Lincolnshire Greyhound Trust so successful in your opinion? I think that we think outside the box, and that's something that Kevin has always instilled with us. Um, and also the fact that we we don't put people in boxes, homes in boxes and dogs in boxes in terms of labelling. Um, we take every individual home on its merit and we speak to the people individually and we feel that we assess each home on the actual people as opposed to the setup and the home. A bit like I touched on a little bit earlier regarding the types of home setups that we home to. We 
take our time. We've got quite a strict process in place for the rehoming. Um, we will always do a home visit before a dog is allowed to go to a home. And we have a cooling off period after the home visit where people can really think and reflect as you know about this commitment they're about to make. Our job, um, Kevin has told us, and I think it's a great job, is to, of course, assess the home and, and make sure that people live where they say they live and have a, an opportunity to have a conversation with people away from the kennels, away from the hysteria and the excitement of, I've fallen in love with this dog, I want this dog. It's to have a really direct conversation about some of the issues that you might have as a dog settle. Of course, we all know they make great pets, but with any animal, settling into a new home and a new routine can be quite challenging for some. So Kevin always says our job when we go and do the home visit, as well as the, the standard things, you know, to highlight to people, you know, patio doors, have stickers on them, checking the fencing if it's, you know, not secure, just advising people not to let the dogs loose in the garden on their own and so forth, is more about actually doing everything in our power to put people off having a greyhound. And if they still want a greyhound at the end of that home visit, then hopefully, um, We've done our job, they're ready for everything that you know they could have to deal with. Um, we're also very fortunate that over the years, LGT has, has had access to a number of cats that are hugely useful and helpful in assisting to do cat testing and small dogs as well. Um, and Nigel, my parents' cat, and Atticus, who makes an occasional appearance, are very used to the LGT van pulling up and a series of five or six dogs, one by one, coming into the house. Um, so we do have different options and different ways of doing things maybe that some other places don't, I guess. Um, but I don't know what makes us different as such. Um, in that respect, I'd like to think it's those little extra things that we do and the extra mile that we try to go to, but that's not to say that other places don't. I think the cat testing thing is huge. And actually uh, you've given me some stats before, which hopefully we can share of how many greyhounds actually are cat friendly. And it's quite surprising. And, and given that, I'm surprised and perhaps a little disappointed actually that more places don't cat test. Yeah, um, unfortunately, I haven't got the figures to hand at the moment, but I, I think, think you said it's previously, forty. Yeah, I'd say about forty percent like of the dogs that we've taken for cat testing here at Epping have passed their cat tests, which is quite high. We have gone through spates where it's been less, but that's also a supply and demand thing. We always like to make sure that we have at least one or two cat trainable dogs waiting, but we actually tend to keep them for you know cat homes. Um, but we actually went a spell of maybe three or four months without any cat homes and, and Buster, who we homed, actually went to a non-cat home in the end because we kept him for a cat home and there wasn't one. So, you know, it's an unusual situation to be in, but that happens sometimes. Now, with the, I guess it is a great option an opportunity but I think you've also got to really drill into those people that are taking the dogs home essentially they have passed their cat test they're not a ready-made dog that's able to live straight off with cats but that's not just a greyhound thing that's that's any dog and any new pets that you're introducing and um, I guess the key thing for us and so many people say it including yourself just now Julie is the term cat friendly we never say to cat friendly we always say cat trainable because we say to people um, there's a process in place and you need to train that dog and that cat to live together nicely. Quite often, actually, it's the cats that pose a problem. We can control dogs. It's, it sounds terrible, but they have a lead, they have a collar, you know, they have a muzzle. We've got a lot more control of their behaviour. But essentially, it's as much about the dogs as it is the cats and how they interact as well. And we have no control of cats. 
So there are some cats that have made it very clear they don't want to live with a greyhound. We've had greyhounds bullied and had to come back because they are petrified of cats um, because the cats have the upper hand. So yeah, I think more places should open their you know, mindset and if they've got suitable cats to do cat testing with, then great. But we have a lot of, of you know, particularly old school people, dare I say it, that say, this one won't ever live with cats. And then I call them and say, your dog has passed its cat test and it was one of our best passes and they cannot believe it. So I think the way that the dog behaves at the track, the way the dog behaves in the kennel, all of that is completely immaterial. Once you get them there into that situation and cat test them, you can see a completely different dog. I'd be really nervous if I was doing that. And it takes a brave cat as well. What are the signs you're looking for? How do you know if a, a greyhound is cat, cat, cat training? <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess the first thing is, um, they're going to be curious, they're sight hands. They will prick their ears, some of them, when they walk in. What we look for is a dog that either distracts itself, so it will have a look at the cat and then look away because it's, oh, I've seen you, you're not that interesting. Um, we then encourage the cat to move around a bit more. Sometimes he does that of his own accord. He's quite brave and um, will come straight up to the dog sometimes. Um, sometimes a bit sooner than we're ready for him to do so. But of course, um, you know, it's in a controlled environment. So we look for dogs that are not absolutely fixated on the cat. If we feel that they are fixated on the cat, then the first thing we do is we turn around to leave. And straight away, it's quite clear to us those that are complete fails because they'll be spinning trying to get back and will be so fixated you can see their hearts racing at 100 miles an hour their eyes are bulging and they just want to get that cat so we make a swift exit because it it's a controlled environment but it's not an environment where you want to hang around if things aren't going to plan and we're always mindful as well that Nigel's a very bold happy cat but I don't think many cats would appreciate if a dog really started to cause a lot of drama and a lot of noise so we need to be mindful of Nigel and how he feels because he's a very very big part of the charity too um so I guess we look initially for those that are interested but not fully interested the whole time. And we also then make sure that even when they do become a bit more interested in the cat, which is natural as we get him to move because they are sight hounds and they've never seen a cat before. So a lot of the time they can be a bit interested, but it's curiosity. But we need to make sure that we can then distract them and they will look away. Sometimes with a bit of encouragement, sometimes by just calling their name. If we're then happy with that, we do always allow them, again, in a controlled manner, to face-to-face -to -face meet and sniff Nigel because, again, curiosity can, can cause a bit of an issue if you then don't let them sniff because they want to get near the cat and then it becomes more of a, a focal point. We like them to then get an opportunity to sniff Nigel. Sometimes they become more interested at that point and we realise, okay, this maybe isn't going as, as we first thought. Other times I'll give them a sniff and think, what, bored now? Um... So it's just about making sure that they're distractible and not fixated. And in most instances, you can work with that. We have, you know, on occasions had some dogs that we feel could live in a home with a cat, but actually because of the nature of that dog, because they're a boisterous, playful, noisy dog, knowing how particular cats can be, we sometimes make the decision not to home them into a home with cats, unless it's cats that have lived with bouncy dogs before, because not many cats will appreciate a whirlwind of a dog sharing a home with them. So I'd say there are probably still a number that could live with cats that we just opt not to just because it would be easier. But it's a lot about the home as well. Okay, the dogs might pass, but it's down to the new owners to be responsible and ensure that that process is overseen properly. 
we should say as well, and I think your pet greyhound or one of the two of them, Elsa, has <laughs> sneaked into the background a little bit here. Um, you use them as well for, you know, teaching the dogs how to be dogs and you also have a non-greyhound dog as well. <laughs> yeah, so Millie and Elsa are really good adverts for how to behave in a home. So quite often we'll bring some dogs that maybe are a little bit more challenging, have taken a bit of time. We sometimes think it's good to give them some exposure of life in the home. Millie and Elsa are very, very welcoming and they straight away put dogs at ease. They're just like, yeah, this is fine. We can do whatever we like and it's fine. And dogs take a lot of reassurance from them. So they're really great um, to have about. They welcome every dog with open arms. And apart from the puppies that maybe are a bit too boisterous, where Elsa will put them in their place and say, no, that's a bit too much in this house. Um, they're fabulous. Um, Roxy came along toward the end of last year. She's quite small for her breed. She's um, a German Shepherd cross, Belgian Malinois, who thinks she is a greyhound. We just call her a long-haired furry fawn greyhound or brindle. Um, she thinks she's a greyhound, but she's great because she's a medium-sized dog um, and will approach the greyhounds with caution, but politely. Um, we use her for introducing the greyhounds to a non-greyhound sized dog. Um, but secondly, we use her for introducing them to recognising that not all dogs you meet will be on the lead. So Roxy's very good at sort of picking her way around, coming to say hello and backing off when it's suitable. And then as a further step, we also have a little Pouchon, who's about this big, a little white fluffy dog. My auntie's dog, Ella, who helps us with a lot of small dog testing too. So we've got Nigel, who is the smallest and most, you know, different. Um, Ella, who's a really small fluffy. And then we've got Roxy, who's somewhere in between. So I think they are really valuable members of the team as well that sometimes don't get enough airtime. <laughs> I sit here listening to you and all this knowledge and the effort that you put into making sure every greyhound gets a home and it's quite incredible and I personally feel like the racing industry doesn't necessarily appreciate the amount of effort going on at homing centres across the country by people who are volunteers like yourself. So much effort. You know, if we couldn't home these dogs then there would be no racing. It's as simple as that in today's day and age. You know, it's a huge effort by so many people and I guess I just want to make the point to say thank you to everybody out there doing what you're doing. I, I do agree actually, you know, as somebody that's involved in the industry as well, I don't think anybody can actually and this isn't, I don't do this because I want people to say, you know, it's, it's very, I you know, appreciate, you know, what you've said. And I think on behalf of everybody that, that does anything for these dogs in their retirement and in their race careers too, um, you know, it's a labour of love more often than not. But it is full on, it is in depth, it is emotionally, it's, it's lovely, it's great, but it can be really draining, returns or, you know, situations where things happen sometimes you know accidents can do happen you know not terrible accidents but you know somebody will ring you and say my dog's just escaped and then you're frantic with, alongside that owner thinking oh my goodness where is this dog because it's a dog you know you've built a relationship with and even if it wasn't a dog you knew you know you'd be concerned about so it's a real roller coaster of emotions um but it's so so worthwhile and I do I recognise a lot of trainers and owners that I speak with do, you know, do recognise the effort that goes in. But I do sometimes say, and this isn't blowing my own trumpet or anybody else's that work in the rehoming, spend a day trying to field A, the calls that are just ridiculous and not a home, B, the, you know, having conversations that are sometimes difficult with people to actually say, actually, you're not a suitable match for us when they're, you know, convinced that they are having to deal with conversations where people's circumstances have changed and they have to return their, their dogs and they're absolutely beside themselves. Again, these are all things that no one can prepare you for. Speaking to owners who have lost their pets and you know that there's nothing that 
that you know you could do to help them and they've come to that point and sharing that grief with them as well there's there's so many layers to it and it is draining at times but also great and obviously it's it has its real good points because these dogs are in homes but it, it's not an easy journey it's not a, a, an easy path by any stretch and I do think that I think some people might wrongly think it's a lot easier than it is and not actually recognize what goes into finding good homes Well, if I wanted to delve more into the nitty gritty of uh, Lincolnshire Greyhound Trust and perhaps broader homing of greyhounds, but starting with Lincolnshire, how is the charity funded? So the charity is independent, so we don't receive any direct industry funding, although there have been some changes recently which have impacted on that. So essentially we used to always charge £300 per dog coming in to the homing centre and we would then also rely on donations so it, it's it's funded by the goodwill of the owners that are placing dogs with us but also the public and those that donate to us and the £100 donation that we get when we do rehome a dog too well we ask a minimum of £100 but a lot of people are quite generous with that how much of a difference has the bond made to you we always charge £300 for the dogs coming in and now we get £400 in so we you know, have seen an increase by 25% so that has made things better certainly and it's been really useful actually because we've got a couple of dogs that are on long term medication that have been returned to us and we, with the help of our fabulous vet Deborah Teo at Vets for Pets in Dagenham she's helped us to manage those cases in an affordable way and given us a lot of you know great opportunity to be able to continue to look after those dogs and I think that extra income has allowed us to offer that which has made it a lot easier for those that have got long term health conditions to find good homes and it's so much better in terms of funding uh, when it comes to home and greyhounds I think there was a time where money was desperately needed and that's when you and I jumped out of a, a plane to try and raise money. I loved money. that though. <laughs> <laughs> it was an experience. But yeah. would you say now that awareness is more important than money? Definitely. Of course, the money's important. You need the money to pay the bills, to look after the dogs, to keep the cogs moving. But essentially, awareness is really what we need. We need to get the word out there. We need more people to be aware of what great pets greyhounds make. There's a lot of pet owners out there, but they're not necessarily greyhound pet owners. So we need to convert the dog owners to become greyhound owners and just get the word out there so they know that they are the right choice. <laughs> For those who don't know, and they may have watched this and be surprised to know that you're actually mm. licensed in the racing industry to trainer Dave Lee. So you're very much pro-welfare and pro-racing. How would you say things have improved in the industry in terms of welfare over recent years? I'd say welfare is now at the forefront of, of most of what happens in the industry, which is great and it's much needed with any sport or anything where animals are involved. Um, it's never going to be perfect. We can always strive to be better. So I think we've made a lot of great strides. The injury recovery scheme has, has been great. Um, the bond, again, has been really good. And there's, I think, a lot more... People are just more proactive now and more aware of, of welfare and actually what welfare means. Welfare doesn't just mean rehoming a dog at the end of its race career. Welfare is embedded in their day-to-day -day lives and everything that we do with them until they get to that point. So I think when we think of welfare, we used to previously revert and think of just the rehoming side, but that welfare is embedded in their whole racing life and their career, you know, as, as race dogs, and then, you know, beyond that and into their retirement. And given those improvements, you know, I think over the years in the past, the sport has had notoriously quite a bad reputation. Do you think that is justified now? Or do you think people who are against the sport need to look at the changes and kind of reevaluate? 
I do think people need to start thinking more about the dogs and not, you know, their own agendas because actually there's a lot of those that are against greyhound racing that actually just haven't had the opportunity to understand what's going on now and what changes have been made. And I do think that some of that, that negativity is unjust. Um, I've worked in the vet industry for a number of years and actually I think greyhounds are a protected breed. We follow them from birth to retirement and there's somebody tracking them and aware of how many are born um, and registered and so forth. And there's a lot of great rehoming centres dedicated specifically to the breed um, that offer lifelong support for those dogs. There are not many other, well, there's no other breed of dog that has that. And I think we don't actually realise as, as general, you know, the general public actually how many pet dogs are not looked after to the standard that we would expect them to be. So actually, I think as greyhounds go, statistically, they're probably one of the, the best protected and looked after breeds of dog there are, which some would be surprised to hear, but you'd also be surprised to see what alleged pet owners and, and how they treat their pets. I think one very common criticism of the industry is that there is too much racing at the moment. I certainly would be one that thinks that for those of us who love the dogs and most people watching this do and will, can you give any reassurance that the rehoming of dogs can keep up with the number that are retiring coming off the track? I think, yeah, there is a lot of racing at the moment. Um, and inevitably there's demand from the bookmakers and, you know, there's some form of pressure in some ways to keep up that demand. We are seeing some four and five dog races, which I don't think is the end of the world. Um, I do think that, dare I say it, um, there we can as an industry, well, as, a, as for the rehoming side of things, with, you know, a great dedicated workforce, we can get those dogs rehomed. However, it's not that, I think there are enough homes, there are enough pet homes there, and there are enough pet homes that are looking for dogs, but I think it's more of an awareness piece now. It's actually converting those to just general dog owners to making them greyhound owners. So I do think there are homes out there, but we need to get get to those people and you if know. I put you on the spot have you got any ideas how we do that I'd love to see and I know it would be really expensive and but then again who watches live tv now with Netflix and on demand but I'd love to see a lot more in the mainstream media about greyhounds making great pets and I would love to see that in conjunction with some of the big bookmakers putting in and clubbing together um the GBGB being involved, you know, a lot of people supporting that, you know, directing people to a national place that links everybody to GRS approved homing centres um, that then they can find an appropriate one in their area because I do think we just need it in the mainstream media. Totally agree. Uh, one thing that has been a bit of a shame is the split between the racing industry and a lot of homing centres. I know that's not the case with Lincolnshire Greyhound Trust and you pointed out that's one of the reasons why you have the success you do because that relationship is, is pretty essential. Definitely. I think that it's really come to light and been very, you know, illustrated very well on the Your Greyhounds History Facebook page where there are a number of greyhounds that are rehomed and people have no idea their true age. Their, their name or anything about those dogs and I think this disconnect between those that are looking after the dogs and caring for them in their race careers and know a lot about them and those that then take them on to find them homes you know it doesn't help anybody it's not helpful you know for, you know forgetting the dogs forgetting the people it's really not helpful for those people that have committed to taking them dogs on for them new pet owners sometimes they find out their dogs are a completely different age um, and they'd like to know the right information why are we withholding that information why are we not working together it's not about people it's not about personalities it's not about politics it should be about the dogs so i think people need to step aside from that and just focus on what's important here 
It's been amazing to talk to you today and I really hope that this in itself has drummed up a little bit of interest for anybody Hopefully. half thinking about <laughs> getting a greyhound. So I just want to give you the last minute or so uh, to put your sales lady hat on and tell those who are thinking about it why they should get a greyhound. Um, well, they're very adaptable, as we've said. They are very placid. They're very affectionate. They're easygoing. They are... Do you know what I think is really good about greyhounds? And yes, a lot of people do moan about the industry. You know, you name me a breed of dog that is as settled as they are. Why are they settled? Is it their upbringing? Is it the fact they've had a, a time to run around, tear around and be a puppy as opposed to expecting to live as a domestic pet from the age of 10 weeks old and not get to be a puppy? Is it because they've been able to do what comes naturally to them and now they're ready to switch off? I don't know what it is, but they are... I, ju I just don't think you can fault them and a greyhound would fit most home situations. As we've said, they can live with cats, they can live with the elderly, they can live with different breeds of dog. We've even homed one with a house rabbit four weeks after he uh, retired. So I just don't, th I think you need to come and meet them and spend time with them and they'll sell themselves. Whatever I say is irrelevant. I think you meet them dogs and then you'll decide for yourself and I'm sure you'll make the right decision. Just give them a chance and we can certainly see... Uh... <laughs> Millie being settled in the background there, taking yeah. everything in her stride. Liv, thank you so much for talking to us. And thank uh, you. as always, if this helps home just one dog, it will have been it worth it. It will definitely be worthwhile. Thank Keep you so much. Keep up the good much. work. Well done. Thank you.